Thank you, Chair. The meeting is now live. Thank you. To the April 26th, um, 2023, URAC Utilities Rate Advisory Commission meeting. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Yes, thank you, Chair. Commissioner Zito? Present. Thank you. Commissioner Johnson? Here. Thank you. Commissioner Vanderwerf? Here. Thank you. Commissioner Lee? Present. Thank you. Vice Chair Gutowski? Here. Thank you. And Chair Fidel? Here. Thank you. We have a quorum. I would like to remind members of the public and chambers that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. For members of the public who wish to join virtually, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, raise your hand to provide public comment when the chair confirms the public comment speaking period for your desired item. If you are online, click raise hand on the bottom of your screen. If you're on the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. If you're calling in via telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine. Then to unmute or mute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You'll have two minutes to speak once you're called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips and the raise hand feature in Zoom will be disabled. We will now proceed with today's agenda. Please rise if you're able. We'll start with a land acknowledgement. This is an opening acknowledgement in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisanan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Pat Patwin Winton, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together in the active process of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. And the flag is there. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Our first business today is approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I do not have any hands raised in Zoom, and I do not have any speaker slips in chambers. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? No one in the queue. Is there a motion and a second for the consent calendar? I move to approve the URAC meeting minutes of January 25th, 2023. Second. Will the clerk please call the roll for the vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Zito? Um, yes. Thank you. Commissioner Johnson? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Vanderwerf? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Lee? Yes. Thank you. Vice Chair Gutowski? Yes. Thank you. And Chair Fidel? Yes. Thank you. Motion passes. We'll now proceed to the discussion calendar. A quick note on the discussion calendar. Um, I discussed it briefly with um, Mr. Voss, and we intend to switch items 
two and three on the discussion calendar. So his presentation on um, the scope and duty of URAC will come before our discussion of the annual. But before that, um, item one is, excuse me, um, item two is Department of Utilities fiscal year 2022-2023 second quarter accountability report. Is there a staff presentation? I'm sorry, did I skip something? And four, and we've switched them. Thank you. Chair Fidel, members of the commission, my name is Mike Voss. I am a senior deputy city attorney with the city attorney's office here. And staff asked me to talk a little bit about the duties and responsibilities of this commission, especially whereas here we're gonna go for, I think, a while without having any rate hearings proposed or in front of the commission. So what I'm gonna do is go over a bit of the history in the context of the commission, how it was founded. Um, then we'll take a look at the city code that governs this commission, and then I'll talk about a couple examples of past um, URAC recommendations that are still being followed today. And if any point, if you have any questions, please feel free to stop me and, um, and let me know what they are. So how did URAC start? Um, it started with a rate increase that went south back in um, June 5th, 2007. Um, there was a two-year rate increase um, that went to council for water, sewer, and for solid waste collection. Um, it only got approved for one year, and the council the minutes show the council said, we want to immediately form a rate advisory commission and hold workshops to gather community input before there's another rate increase. So I went back to look at the video because I thought it'd be pretty instructive. It is possibly lost um, to the shadows of time because I couldn't get it up, the clerk couldn't get it up. Um, but what we do have is the minutes with the council strongly wanting some more input, some more direction, and some more community involvement in rate increases um, for the future. So it started with an unhappy council, and quickly um, they adopted an ordinance creating this commission. So you'll see in June, council said, get this done. In January of the next year, it was done, and that's moving pretty fast for the city, right? Six months to create a commission. And so this um, city ordinance created this advisory panel with relevant expertise regarding the rate structure for water, sewer, drainage, and solid waste services in Sacramento. And so all of you are now the city council's um, experts on rate increases and rate setting as it moves forward in the city. So this is all done through city code, the ordinance that enacted it. And so we will look at um, the powers and duties 
that are set out in the city code. Um, the first one is to review and comment on rate proposals. Um, that is pretty obvious. A number of you who have been here for a while have done that in the past, and it can be pretty intensive. Um, you'll see rate proposals come two, three, four times, a um, lot of questions, and go through the workshop process. Um, the second power duty is to develop and provide recommendations to the mayor and city council about rate setting. The third one is to actually hold the rate hearings. The city council has delegated those hearings to this body, um, and so all of you are the ones who will receive the citizen comments when a rate increase actually comes before you eventually to go to the city council. And then finally, the final um, job that's identified for this commission is to act as a community liaison for utility rate settings. And to be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what that means. I haven't seen a whole lot of effort devoted to that. Although, you know, in the course of rate hearings and rate settings, this body is the one that the public interacts with the most workshops and the, the actual rate hearing. So this year and the coming months, I'm not aware of any rate proposals that are in the works or are going to be brought to this commission. And so um, I think what we're gonna do is zero in on subsection B, um, which is not related to specific rate proposals, but rather the recommendations that this body can provide. And so there's two parts here. Um, the first is to develop and provide recommendations to the mayor, city council, on issues that are relevant to the setting of utility service rates. So one could think of a lot of issues that are relevant to setting rates, um, but typically it comes down to fiscal impact, right? What's gonna cost more money, less money, some money over time, how do you spread the rates, how much will rates increase, who has to pay the rates, what categories. Um, so those are all sort of issues relevant to setting utility service rates. Um, on the flip side of that, the code says, the commission shall have no authority to review or revise the utility service levels. So when I first read that, I thought, wow, that seems really clear. The commission can look at issues related to rate setting, but not service levels. But then I realized that those are two sides of the same coin, right? Every increase or decrease in service level is probably gonna have an effect on rates um, to either make rates higher or lower, depending on what you're doing. So I think we need to develop or devote a little bit of thought to exactly what this means. And so I thought it'd be helpful to work through an example of um, say recycling, how often the city picks up recycling cans, okay? Because that's, that's actually a controversial decision recycling solid waste made a number of years ago. Still hear complaints about it um, every once in a while. Um, to go from picking up recycling cans once a week to every other week. And they're not here right now. And I have two recycling bins in, in my house because it just doesn't, doesn't work for us. So, so that's a service level, right? How often the city comes by to pick up recycling cans is a service level. So if this commission wanted to take a look at that policy and how that was working out, that would be reviewing the utility service level. 
if this commission wanted to maybe propose some changes, maybe back to how it used to be, that would be revising the utility service level. So the city code says that this ordinance doesn't have, this commission doesn't have the authority to do that. Um, if recycling and solid waste came out and said, we are looking at picking up recycling once a month, we're bringing a plan forward to city council, the city council approved that plan, um, then, and this commission said, we want to examine what effect that would have on rate levels. I mean, then the recommendation would look at how the service level, which was set, which we're not reviewing or revising, would affect um, the rates that could be charged. Maybe rates would go down. Maybe it would postpone a rate increase for a while. Um, and so that would be, I think, pretty squarely a rate setting issue. And so I, where I'm going with this is that um, as this commission looks at appropriate topics to study and recommend, they should be focused on um, the rates and with reference probably to some existing standard or standard that's in city plans um, that have been approved or proposed by staff or city council so that this body is not in the position where it's saying um, more recycling cans or more pickups or somehow reviewing or revising the utility service levels. So some nuance there, but I think it does give this commission ability to look at some of the financial impacts that drive rates and the coming rates um, while still following city code prescriptions against reviewing or revising service levels. Um, and so past commissions have done this, um, typically connected with rate increases. Um, just the, the biggest one was a, a really big a rate increase um, that was brought forward in 2012. Um, so you can see that there's three years of rate increases at least 10% for water and higher than that for wastewater. And so um, when the department brought this forward to URAC, URAC said, we have some recommendations. We'll go along with this, but we have some recommendations about what we feel like is necessary for accountability and to ameliorate the impacts of this rate increase. And so one recommendation was for the establishment of a low-income rate assistance program, SURA, which is often reported out in the accountability reports to this commission and has really been um, a successful and long-standing program now. And that actually originated with the URAC commission, that um, suggestion. And the other one has been accountability plans by the Department of Utilities. And so the URAC said, it's a lot of money, DOU, and we are going to require that you continue to report to us and to the community on what you're doing with these funds and what your projects are. And so just thought it might be helpful for you to see a couple of recommendations that this commission proposed that were adopted by the council and are still 
in effect and carrying forward today. Um, and that's it. So if anybody has any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. And All right, well, thanks. My one question was just, since we just did some rate increases, and I feel like, is it ways for us to continue to follow that and kind of like make sure we're studying it and we're being kept up to date to see how those impact it so that we can actually make more wiser choices in the future? Like a way for us to kind of continue to be impactful in the utilities that are currently going on. Right, so I think that's a good question. Um, I'm gonna issue a quick disclaimer, which is that I typically will weigh in on whether something is legal and consistent with city code and policy or if it's not consistent with city code and policy. And so I think it would be consistent with city code and policy to follow up on your rate increases um, because that's an issue relevant to rate setting, right? Um, and so I will defer as to whether that's a good idea to this commission, to staff, and to council. So I guess I have questions, more questions about what a level of service decision is. Is that primarily the department's interaction with the public? And so here, here's one thing that's been on my mind. For um, recycling and solid waste, I have heard two city council members say that they plan to do electrification very soon. They, they would like fleet electrification to happen as fast as it can. And this is potentially expensive and could potentially impact rates. However, is it a fundamental facet of our level of service whether we pick up the trash every week in an electric vehicle or a diesel vehicle? Is it off limits to us because that's a level of service decision? Or is that something that we could look at because it's a matter that could impact a future rate setting? So that's a good question. I'm not sure that I am prepared to parse out level of service right here. I think my initial reaction is that the final product that DOU and RSW provide is the level of service. And so whether it's water quality, water pressure, the way that trash is picked up um, is level of service. And then there's some things um, that play into that, that I think are more of a gray area. I think what you're picking up on is that electrification of the fleet is a, a financial issue and would have some, likely have some impact on rates, right? And so the question is, um, has council moved forward with a plan? Is there a strategic plan that's out there? that this commission could say, hang its hat on and say, we, we'd like to recommend a study or we'd like to issue some recommendations about rates coming out of this, or is it still speculative at this point? Um, would be this commission be sort of jumping the gun by analyzing something that 
may not happen yet, may not happen for a while. There might be the votes to do it, there might not be the votes to do it. And so I, I think the real issue for me is at this point, um, is there really something set yet that this commission could look at or is it sort of just me, it's out there in the future, we know it's coming but not when or what it'll quite look like. So far, we're still in gray area with a question. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm just very interested in where levels of service are delineated um, for the purpose of our commission. Okay, so sort of given the broad outlines of it in this presentation, and I think as we come to specific situations that are in a bit of a gray area, we can pursue that and analyze those on a case-by-case -case situation. Sounds good, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Commissioner Lee. Thank you. Um, I just had a question and I apologize if I missed it. It was, <laughs> what was the purpose of um, that provision in the, in the code that they shall have no authority to review or revise the utility service levels? What was the purpose of that? <laughs> um, Commissioner Lee, that's a good question. I don't have access to the legislative history or discussions about how that um, ordinance was created. So the, the net effect is to limit this body to rate setting, rate hearings, and issues that are relevant to those. And so this issue doesn't sort of have full discretion over utility operations, recycling solid waste, operation, solid waste operations, those are reserved to the council. So question, would it be within this commission scope to suggest a modification to that to make it clearer? <laughs> Just out of curiosity. I know it would require a modifying the city code, which probably is a whole process unto itself, but. Um, you're right, that is a different process. So the city code absolutely could be modified by the city council with an ordinance. Um, I'm, I'm not sure it's within the purview of this commission to suggest um, amendments to city code, but each one of you were appointed by a council member, council members, and certainly those conversations can happen and there is a possibility that the council could choose to amend the city code. Well, I mean, as a body, we could request it, right? I saw recommendations previously for when this, from this body to create a, a DOU accountability thing, and I forget, what was the other thing? Oh, SURA, the SURA program. I mean, so j just wondering if that's a recommendation we can make, technically. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot. You're welcome to get back to me if you want. Um, I'll do that. So there's a in, a, in a body with limited powers, right? The powers that have been pretty clearly delineated. There's a question of whether there's any sort of authority to take actions that are outside of that limited scope. And so um, I think that is the issue that we, wrestle with in answering your question. 
Yep, you're welcome. Um, in that case, in that case, I guess I have an additional question, which is, as you know, I've proposed that we um, that we propose a body of work for us to do this coming year and take that to P and PE. Does P and PE have the permission to give us wider rate latitude for this next year? I mean, would P and PE, they can't go any broader than this is allowed either? So all city staff, commissions, and council are required to follow city code. Um, so the answer is PP&E would be required to follow city code. Um, the, I think as we've discussed, there's a little bit of latitude in how city code is interpreted. Um, and PP&E has, I think, a fair amount of discretion to approve work plans or modify work plans or deny work plans. And so um, I think the answer to your question is PP&E has to follow city code. Um, and I'm not quite sure what that would look like. It depends on what the work plan that's submitted from this body is. That's all I got. All right. Thank you, Commission. I say. Thank you. Are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I do not have any hands raised in Zoom, and I do not have any speaker slips in chambers. Thank you. Um, and then do I say this part? It's a recommendation. No vote is required. This item is just receive and file and provide discussion, so there's no vote required. We'll move on to the next item. Um, the next item is um, item three on the agenda, personnel and public employee annual report project discussion. Sorry, yeah. I'm stepping up for the wrong item. I apologize. <laughs> okay. And this is something I, I don't go up front, do I? Okay. This is something I brought up at the very end of our last meeting. And what I wanted to point out is that we have just finished two rate hikes and we have no rate hikes coming. Um, we are fully staffed with very knowledgeable and expert people. And I um, thought it would be a shame if we did nothing but receive accountability reports once a quarter and did nothing with our expertise. And so I wanted to look at potential projects that Yurak could explore and report back to the city council. We have a good venue for doing this. The um, city commission were recently kind of overhauled and Clerk Cuppy created an annual report um, structure in which commissions bring their um, proposed work for the year to the um, PMPE commission committee and um, get approval for their workload. And I wanted us to um, think of and propose some work that we could bring to the PNPE. And we have a little bit better definition on um, the boundaries of that work could be now. Um, I proposed some items on the agenda and I asked other commissioners to bring items as well. And um, these were just sort of to get us thinking. Um, I guess, I'd, I'd be curious, 
can I just ask for proposals or should we discuss what's in the agenda first? I would say you can present um, absolutely your way you're the chair, so whichever order you like to go in is okay. Okay. Um, may I ask um, other commissioners, did you bring any suggestions for things that we could work on in the coming year? If so, if you want to uh, just request to speak, we could take them in queue. Commissioner Vanderwerf. Mine was just especially because we helped with creating the safe, the low income program is maybe getting um, more information on how they're doing their outreach and how they're doing like ensuring that people are actually knowing about it. I know that's something I often hear is people didn't even know it existed. And I know we rely on SMUD, but maybe working with our staff, I know we have a lot of them that are quite good at outreach and figuring out what's going on there and how we can better serve our communities to make sure that they're not, you know, being burdened with larger bills when they're lower income. Okay. Commissioner Johnson. Thank you. Uh, oh. uh, so a proposal I thought we might be able to do that would relate to rate setting as well as I think serving the role of community liaison would be um, reviewing the the strategic plan, the five-year strategic plan of DOU that's already in place. Um, DOU's done a great job of identifying goals and actions they can take for achieving their goals, and they also have implemented a tracking document um, where I think they've been collecting data that maybe URAC could review on topics related to um, activities that impact rates and different, different scenarios that we might want to, topics, you know, there, DOU has, has identified lots of goals and objectives and ones that, examples of things that might be relevant to uh, financial viability and rate setting would be some of, um, they've proposed running rate scenario evaluations to determine the impact of no rate increase years, um, looking at development impact fees, um, some of the long-term financing plan updates, as well as um, investment in infrastructure related to climate change adaptation, um, resiliency assessments, regional planning. Um, so I have I brought with me, I don't know if there's a way to share it, in, put it into the minutes, but there's a list of these things that you can take from the strategic plan that it might be um, useful for URAC to review and share with the public, share with the city council the progress that's being made, and that would inform future decision making um, on rate increases, as well as provide some of that community liaison education element that we're looking to do here on the commission. Those sound great. Um, Commissioner Gutowski? Okay. Um, so one thing I thought of is planning ahead. So looking at 10 to 20 years in the future, trying to work with both departments so you don't have increases at the same time. So we don't want to overwhelm our residents with these increases because there's going to be increases in the future. Um, just helping coordinate between departments so we don't, yeah, so we can be better off in having 
increases over and over again around top of each other. So. Did you think of that mostly as a, like a calendar scheduling? Yeah, and maybe some sort of rate, some way we can rate, you know, the importance of, you know, what we think should come first, have some sort of criteria. I don't know, we haven't had that in the past, but. Uh, Mr. Martin? Yeah, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner Zita. Um, this might be something rather far off the beaten path, but I'm a little concerned with the budgeting and with budgeting for infrastructure repair and things. And the actual cost of what is going to go into um, mitigating environmental problems that we've been seeing recently with properties and is that going to eat from the budget of repairing something to where we're using the budget to to just mitigate the damage so we can go in and repair and then you're going to not have the money to repair so I'd like to see exactly how much is actually going into the real repair and what is it going to cost to prepare to prepare to repair and I think that may not have been an issue you know three or four years ago but um, you know that was one of my concerns with the no Thomas when they did the the increase there they were saying before they can even begin to upgrade the systems, they have to go in and clear out the damage that's been environmentally done to the area. And I don't know if they're accounting for that in some of these budgets. And that could be a huge chunk of money over the time. So that might be something to just kind of keep an eye on. I mean, you don't think about it till you get out there and it's like, oh my gosh, we've got to fix this before we can fix that. So that's just what I have to say. Those are all great. Um, I don't know how they fit into our scope. We'll have to we'll have to look at that. Any other ideas from commissioners? Anything prompted by this discussion? Commissioner Johnson. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, while hearing Mike Voss speak earlier, one thing that just came to mind was maybe also including the accountability plan that's already in place. Um, doing some review and education and outreach about that plan that's already implemented. Great, thank you. So the ideas that I had put forward um, were looking at the Sacramento's Climate Action Plan and there are items for every department and looking at which of those are potentially expensive and they matter, the fleet electrification is the one I sort of keep returning to on that. Um, I have wanted to look more closely at recycling and solid waste's financial structure before they bring another rate increase to this body. Um, recycling and solid waste has seemed for the last two rate increases like we, we uh, by the time it comes to us, most of the decisions are made and um, really the, the spending is set. Um, and so there's nothing for us to do but approve the rate increase. But it'd be very nice to get ahead of that. Um, there are proposals that come up during the rate hearings like um, charging for um, pickup based on the weight of the can so that if people who don't throw out as much stuff don't pay as much. There are, um, we're spending an awful lot on um, contracting out the organic food waste that we have to compost. Um, is there any chance that we could have savings from doing that in-house? 
And then the other thing that crossed my attention um, was looking at providing water to people experiencing homelessness. And um, there are uh, Prop 218 difficulties with doing that. And maybe this is a body that could dig into those and think of ways to address those but still provide service to people who are homeless. Um, and so the, those were ideas that crossed my mind. They're the ones in here. But all of them are interesting, and I think all of them are worthy of our attention if we can do that. Um, I, I think we could probably prioritize one or two of these and propose to PNPE that we do them um, and see if they want to. There's also the question of whether we want to, if we want to have a difficult year or if we're... No, it's work. It's genuine work, and it's not, I, I, I can't consult with you guys off, off the dais, so I don't know that you guys want to. <laughs> um, so we should probably check in about that as well. Um, comments or thoughts on what we've done so far, or what we've talked about so far? Or a, a potential process? for winnowing down these projects, conducting this in the public view. Yes? I'm not sure how this works, and, and not, I'm not a member of, a public, of the public, but I am the director of utilities, and yes. I think I, I have some comments, I have some suggestions, and so I don't know if I'm allowed to stand up and, and present some of those. Is that acceptable? Um, I'd love to hear from you. I, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I'm Pravani Vandia, I'm the Director of Utilities, so I oversee the water, wastewater, drainage. Um, I do not oversee recycling and solid waste, so I will um, avoid providing any opinion on that. Um, the items that were brought up here, um, the interesting thing to me is we do a lot of that work in utilities. Um, it's evident to the people who work in utilities, but not necessarily evident to the people on the outside, our customers or commission members. And so I think what I would like to suggest is that um, we bring these items, some of what you've brought up, and, and we can collect additional items over time, and bring them to the commission in, in uh, presentation uh, education. You hear what we're doing, and then that gives you the ability to ask questions or provide suggestions on projects that might be engaged in so that we can try to move forward. Um, a, a few of the things that I've heard, like the water for the homeless, are things we've looked at. Um, and so we do have information that we can share. Uh, there are items that uh, Commissioner Johnson shared um, on work we're doing, our strategic plan. Yes, there are a number of action items that cover different aspects, I think, uh, of, of what you as commissioners would like to see us do. We can give you status updates in terms of where we're at with those um, different actions. Uh, the the SURA program, the outreach, was actually an item when we went to council a few weeks ago uh, to present on additional funding that we needed from the general fund to support it. Council actually asked the same questions. And so, yes, we can bring that information to all of you. I think the challenge we've had historically is we haven't been able to connect and ask and, and say, I'd like to see this, or I'd like to see that. But I think if we use these commission meetings to maybe 
um, come up with some of those ideas or to engage. I mean, not, it's just to get items that we can give you further information on, not make decisions on, and then we come back, have conversation here at these meetings, and we can make decisions then on, on what could move forward. I think is a way for both utilities to benefit from the commission and for commissioners to benefit from um, what utilities uh, is doing, working on. Um, the coordination between departments and when we go for rate increases is something that we do internally in the city. There have been tons of times when utilities has wanted to move forward with rate increases. But we've held back because somebody else has needed to go, including recycling solid waste this last round. Um, we didn't move our stormwater fee forward, waiting for them to complete theirs before we went with ours. Um, I'm actually working coordinating with other agencies surrounding us to have that same conversation, right? This is when utilities thinks we're gonna need to go for rate increases. When are you planning to go? Um, we're gonna build out a calendar, right, that incorporates some of that, including election cycles, because those also factor in to the focus, right, of council members on bringing something like rate increases forward during an election year. And so putting all of those together. So my point is, there's a lot of information and work that we're engaging in, either starting to or have already done, that I think you all would benefit from. And I think if we work together, we can help with that information, that background, the things that are already uh, at play, and focus in on the things that we might be able to move forward that maybe we're not working on. Um, and then the last piece, I'd emphasize on, and, and Chair Fidel, you, you touched on this, is we also have to be mindful that anything that this commission looks at in terms of additional projects means that you need staff support to be able to move it forward. And I ask that we be mindful because we are in an economy where we have tons of vacancies all over and staff are spread thin. And while I, I appreciate taking on more work, my staff will not be happy with me, um, just until we get to a better place. And so, yes, including prioritizing, right? There, there might be some ideas that comes from the commission, figuring out what a priority is. This is high priority, yeah, let's try to figure out how we resource this to move it forward. Okay, this is something that can wait a little further down the line once we get through these high priorities, so I ask that we work together as, as we do that. So we can both DOU, city, and uh, commissioners can move together in the direction that I, I know you're looking for. It's, it's logical to me because I, I try to put myself in your shoes. I would like to see some of those things if I were in your shoes, so I get it. Let's figure out how we work together to get in that, head in that direction. And I think a lot of what we're going to present to you is connected to rates you know, meeting the, the legal requirements that have been presented. Um, I, I don't see it as a stretch by any means. And so I think that might help too, right? If, if we know what that connection is and DOU can make that connection that yes, it is rate related and we're not adjusting our service levels. And the last thing I wanna to touch on is the conversation about levels of service and the conversations about the electric vehicles. There are a lot of regulatory requirements at play that dictate our service levels, including electrification. 
And those are factors that are woven into where the city needs to go. Um, electrification, the reason for moving as quickly as we need to in that direction is partly to meet the California Air Resource Board regulations. And so with all of those things at play, you can see how it's complex to try to engage in those projects. You kind of have to put everything on the table and make sure that we're staying consistent with the regulatory requirement and that timeline. So that's just an example I'm throwing out there. A lot of our service levels are linked to regulatory requirements. There are some that are just like response rates. How long does it take you to respond to a customer if there is uh, a leak, right? That's a response rate. Um, and, and so, but that is, is service levels. And then there are some that are very directly related to the regulation. So just a little bit of background to how some of those things are set up. So thank you for listening to me. I appreciate it. Um, but I, I think I, I, I've been making notes as all of you have shared your items and I'm like, yes, there's a lot of background information that I think we should be sharing um, to help take us in this direction. And um, I'd offer up maybe engaging with Chair Fidel to set up that calendar for every meeting on what we will present. What a commission is looking at, we'll put it on the calendar and we'll present at the next quarterly meeting to help. It will take us a long time because there's so many different topics, um, but I think we start heading in that direction of, of sharing education. And then I, that, that sort of plays into that liaison role, community liaison role. The more we share with you all, puts you in a better position to be able to liaise with the community in different ways. And I think we might have to have more conversations over time on, on how those get structured, right? Maybe scheduled, how we DOU helps schedule those so that you can meet with different community groups to have some of these discussions. But that's something we can build out and figure out as we go over time. So just my thoughts on, on the topics discussed. Thank you. Commissioner Vandewer. I, I was mostly just wanting to speak to, um, those were a lot of great topics. Um, and couldn't write them all down. I was mostly wanting to speak to maybe how we can make our decision making around how we can handle this. It's a lot of work and I, I'm definitely not volunteering everyone else, but I will, would love to do more work. I was always hoping to do more on the commission and I know one of the, me and you are the longer standing members now. And it would be nice to get to do some work and like feel like I can really impact um, the community since this is kind of my background in work as well. Um, and uh, I would love to see like a list of all of them. Like we only got some of them. There's like so many lists now. Um, maybe we could prioritize and even like it could be different commissioners work on different things. Um, so that way like we can use our skill sets to better um, spread it and we could help make sure different things get done and we can maybe make a bigger impact. So that's just my thought. Um, I, I, I just heard something real quick that I wanted to clarify. Um, we, you mentioned that this is a quarterly meeting, but I understand that this is a monthly meeting. And I, I, I think we have to clarify between Brian and, and the city clerk's office, is it monthly scheduled or is it quarterly? Because I thought I saw an email from the city clerk where for this year, at least, they were scheduled as quarterly. Um, so they are still monthly. Um, I believe it's the accountability reports that have been presented quarterly. Okay, got it. 
Thank you for that. So yes, clarification then. Then it's monthly meetings, so that gives us more opportunities to be able to connect and present information, which I think is better. Okay, the other thing that we don't have to date is the format for the annual report to the PNPE Commission, or committee. We, I, I don't know that anyone, maybe um, Police Review has done one, but I don't know that anyone else has done one. So I think we also need to know what they want. So um, I think, um, I suppose we'll need a motion at some point, uh, but um, uh, first a process for gathering ideas, um, a process for making a list and prioritizing them. Um, and this all has to be done with written materials that are available to the public and agendized appropriately. Um, if you guys have suggestions, I'm listening. Commissioner Vanderwerf. I was just going to make a motion that would give us the space to have a conversation. And so the motion I specifically wanted to make was, I would like to make a motion that on the next month's ag agenda, we bring back all the current ideas that were suggested and have a discussion item on coming up with our plan and then the next meeting after that, we would have a vote on the plan. So it'd be a couple months out, but making sure that the public has a chance to see and hear our plan and hear back from us, to hear back, tell us what's going on. I, don't, I know I messed up on the wording, so sorry for the legal side of this. Okay. Um, and then, um, can, can we accept written submissions as well? Yeah, I, I was just thinking we would, we, I don't know if legally we can, but I was hoping, my thought was just like to have a big list, even if the public has more ideas for us to actually have a conversation on. And then the following month, we could even have, like we could have a conversation, kind of maybe break down what we want and the following month have a vote so that way the public has a chance to really see what we want to work on and if they really disagree with us or not or maybe found something that would be more useful. There a second? Um, sorry, Chair. Oh, sorry. Um, I defer to the CAO if I am misspeaking, but this item isn't actually an action item. So what we can do is, being that you guys have these suggestions, what we can do is work with staff on getting the next item, um, as Commissioner Vanderwerf has said. Um, so we will make the list, work with staff on what he has taken down, what has been provided in this meeting, we can work with him for the next meeting, and then if you want it on discussion and make it an action item, then we would take the vote. I think we'd like to do that. Oh, um, Commissioner Vanderwerf, is this still? Okay. Mr. Martin? Oh, excuse me, Commissioner Zito. <laughs> Of the list and everything, but but like um, Pravani was saying, a lot of the other areas are already working on these same issues. So I think it would be good if we had input from them what they're working on and pick something that they're working on that might tie in rather than do all this research that really is not our mandate to do. And I don't want to cross departments like that. I don't think we can. And to, to spend a whole year researching something, yes, it might be important, but if it has no impact, it's sort of, you know, doesn't really do much. And you said there's an annual report due? Did you say to? 
Yes, maybe we could get a hold of one of the copies from the prior report to see the, the outline that they want. It's it's brand new. They haven't created it yet. Well, golly I'm, gee. I know. <laughs> but I'm proposing Somebody had we to could start. a report somewhere. I know. <laughs> okay, that's, that's all I had to say. Okay. Um, so we have a proposal for a list and having DOU give impact, give input on that list so we know um, both that it is within our scope as a, as a commission and also that it's stuff that you're, con that you're working on and that we could help advance. Okay, and next time it's a discussion item and that's different. Yes, sure, thank okay. you. <laughs> Great. Um, oh, Commissioner Johnson. Thank you. Um, so I, I like the idea of the list and advancing, putting that together, working all together um, to identify things that are gonna be time well spent. Um, I'm new to the commission. How do we, how do, what's, I'm kind of asking a question, I guess, how do we actually work together to create a list when, with the Brown Act and what are timelines, what are submissions, who, who collects information and how do, how do we actually do that uh, outside of our meeting time here? Um, yes, great question, Commissioner. So what I would recommend is in order for everyone to stay within the Brown Act and not have quorum issues or um, almost subcommittees, what I would recommend is you reaching out to your staff member on this commission. So that would be Brian. Um, you can submit lists and he will um, put all the ideas together and possibly submit them to the chair because um, they can potentially meet and say if this discussion item is good to go for the next meeting or so. But I would recommend either reaching out to the chair or the staff for your suggestions. Thank you. Mr. Martin, this is... Oh, Commissioner Zito. <laughs> for tonight, he's not um, I, I just wanted to, to touch on that again. I think you kind of put it rather succinctly. There, there's a fine line, I think, that, um, you know, with, with putting everything out to the public, are we going to have these discussions be like grand jury issues that come up and they discuss it in a committee and then do present findings? Or, or is this going to be where, where the whole um, process of getting this information is going to be a public, public forum? And that, that's what you need to decide. I could... I've done grand jury work before, and it gets pretty intense when you're doing those, but if you have to report to the public every step of the way, that's also a, a big burden as well. Um, so it's just something to consider. That's why if we, got, if we got what the other departments were doing and piggybacked on them, it might be a little bit easy to slide around all some of that. I don't know, just a thought. My understanding is that we are not allowed to work in subcommittee. Um, that, that's right. what I thought I knew. Chair Fidel, that's correct. The ability to have subcommittees has been constrained by recent council actions. It, this is our chance, and it has to be here. Okay. So, um, anything else? I don't have anyone in the speaker queue. Okay, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this? 
Thank you, Chair. I do not have any hands raised in Zoom, and I do not have any speaker slips in chambers. Thank you. Great. So we will, let's see. So I think we can now move on to item four on the agenda. On the agenda. Staff presentation on impact fees and deferred maintenance. So I'm going to do the presentation on uh, the deferred, uh, sorry, the development impact fee, uh, fees. Um, okay. Yeah, and then uh, we'll go into the uh, deferred maintenance presentation that uh, a staff person, Brett Grant, will do after me. Thank you. Um, so, uh, commissioner, uh, commission members, tonight I'm proposing that uh, DOU move forward with adjusting our development impact fees for water, wastewater, and drainage. Background to this is uh, development impact fees are used specifically to fund infrastructure projects needed to support new development. Uh, this differs from our utility rates, which are paid by the individuals or businesses who are currently connected to or using our systems within the city. Those rates are used for funding projects that help existing customers. Development impact fees are paid by developers at the time of their building permits, and those funds are used to um, fund infrastructure that is needed to support that growth that comes along with that development. Development impact fee amounts are determined through a nexus study, and recently DOU worked with a consultant, Economic and Planning Systems, to update our development impact fee nexus study using best practices, current data, and ensuring that our methods meet all of the regulatory requirements. As a result of this effort, DOU recommends adjusting development impact fees to ensure future customers pay their fair share of infrastructure improvements. This adjustment ensures that current ratepayers do not subsidize new growth or vice versa. And this is consistent with Proposition 218 requirements. The issue at hand is that DOU's impact fees have not been updated in more than 10 years, in some individual instances for over 20 years, and are about 75% lower than nearby cities and counties. With our current fee levels, we do not have adequate funding to construct infrastructure for future development or to reimburse developers as they build the infrastructure. Often developers are required to build required critical infrastructure assets in order to proceed with their planned projects. This creates an unexpected burden on those developers. An example is in an area without adequate infrastructure, the first development to move forward in that area may be required to construct or fund large scale improvements for that area to be able to move forward with the development. 
DOU is proposing to adjust development impact fees to levels that will fund the needed infrastructure to support the future development growth outlined in the 2040 general plan that is currently in draft. Now, as you can imagine, with development impact fees, these fees are complicated to outline because they are specific to developments which are very unique. No two developments are going to be alike. So I'm going to attempt to give you an indication of a comparison by looking at two new construction examples. The first is a single family residence and the second is a 1,000 square foot retail space. So this table provides a snapshot of the proposed fee levels. This table shows examples of current and proposed fees for single family residential and for retail space. The new proposed fees will now support the city's infrastructure needs for future development and place the city's fees in line with surrounding jurisdictions. Please note that for sewer and drainage, the developer will only pay one of these fees and they will pay the fee for the system that supports their development. A note on the methodology used, there are two methods or a combination of these methods that were used to calculate the proposed fees. The first is a buy-in method and that is used when capacity exists in the current system and there's an incremental method which determines the cost of planned infrastructure projects and the developer would pay for that. The next four slides that I present show how single family residential fees compared to the surrounding area. This chart shows how our proposed fee in gold compares to surrounding cities and the county for water. We have also included our current fee to the far left for perspective on where we are starting from. And the average of all agencies are, are included in the bar to the right. The water development impact fee helps fund the needed infrastructure for drinking water, such as future water treatment plants and transmission lines. The next two slides cover the wastewater fees. This slide covers the separated sewer and the next slide will cover the combined sewer system. Developers will not pay both, they would only pay for the fee that supports their project. This slide provides a comparison of the separated sewer system fees and our proposed fee is close to the county and the area average. This chart provides a comparison of our proposed combined sewer system fee, which is unique to the city of Sacramento. Most jurisdictions do not have a combined system that handles both sewer and drainage in one pipe. To help compare our fee, because it is a unique fee, we have shown our current and proposed fees in gold and compared them to the drainage and sewer fees that a developer would pay in the other jurisdictions. Noting that a project in our combined sewer system area would pay this fee for both their sewer and drainage needs. Finally, we've outlined the drainage fee. DOU does not currently have a drainage fee. 
One item to note related to this fee is that we have provided two different uh, proposed fee amounts. Pump drainage and gravity drainage, which directly relates to the type of drainage basin or system that the project is in. The amount of infrastructure needed in gravity drainage basin is less, so we felt it was equitable to distinguish between the two. Our proposed drainage fees are low compared to most, but we are starting from no fee at all, so this fee simply reflects the value of the current infrastructure that new development projects will be using. I think it is important to point out that this proposed fee directly impacts our drainage system that channels stormwater out of the city and away from our neighborhoods. This is a critical uh, fee for a flood-prone city such as the city of Sacramento. This chart provides an average of our current fees in light yellow, an average of our proposed fees in gold, and the average fees of surrounding jurisdictions. As you can see, our current fees are drastically lower than the surrounding average. And as mentioned, we do not currently charge a drainage impact fee. When you compare the uh, average totals of our proposed fee versus the surrounding average, you can see that the slightly higher than average for residential. This table shows the maximum gross um, revenues projected with the proposed development impact fee adjustments. This revenue would be applied to plan and build infrastructure needed for new development that we currently do not have funds to do. On this slide is a project example, and it's related to Sump 111, which needs upgrades. The estimated improvement needed for Sump 111 is that the cost is at $7 million. Any project in the River District, uh, sorry, so the existing stormwater pump station, this is an existing stormwater pump station located near Richards Boulevard that serves 450 acres. Any project in this River District that needs to provide a, a drainage study showing that their pre-project drainage flows match their post-project drainage flows, and so there's a net, a, a net zero impact. Um, projects can add impervious area, and this can be accomplished by adding on-site uh, detention. Any project increasing the drainage flow to our system can't be allowed until the improvements to Sump 111 are in place. By increasing the pump capacity of the drainage sump, and installing a trash capture device, it would allow many higher density development projects such as Township 9 to proceed without having to handle drainage responsibilities on every site. There are reimbursement options and uh, there is a River District finance plan that can cover a small portion of these improvements but we were fortunate enough to recently receive a Green Means Go grant award for this project that helps. In the future, the establishment of a drainage development impact fee would help us have the funds available to be able to pay for these types of project without delaying projects or expecting developers to pay for it. 
We have been engaged in outreach over the past couple months. Uh, we've met, we've done briefings with council members and the mayor. During these briefings, we highlighted the necessity to adjust DOU's uh, development impact fees to meet the infrastructure needs outlined in the city's general plan. There was general agreement and support that adequate infrastructure fees need to be in place to support the city's future growth. Our next step is to brief developers on these adjustment, uh, uh, the adjustment of these impact fees. And then once we reach out to the development community, we will go back to council in the summer of this year to present and uh, get council approval. That concludes my presentation on uh, adjusting uh, our, our development impact fees, and I am available to answer any questions. Commissioner Gutowski. Yeah, so as the URAC, we don't make any recommendations to city council on development impact fees, right? This is just for information. Okay, and then another question is, uh, why are you proposing the drainage development impact fee so low? I'm sorry, say that again? A drainage development impact fee, is, is the one you're proposing is really low. So we're just wondering why. Um, so it's based on the nexus study, right? Okay. It's, it's based on the capacity available to support new development. And so that's why it's where it's at. Uh, future, as we use up the existing uh, uh, capacity, it might change when we do future uh, nexus studies, but right now that's what it's indicating. Thank you. Um, thanks for that presentation. I have some questions about where can we learn more about the Nexus study? I mean, one thing that was curious to me, one of the slides, West Sacramento, their drainage development fee was so much higher than everyone else. So as commissioners, where do we um, go to get an idea of how those evaluations are made? Um, so the Nexus study is uh, available on, on the city's public facing website. I'd, I'd have to get the link and send it out to you, uh, but that's something that I can share. Uh, it is a pretty detailed study and has a lot of information. Um, so there's probably gonna be questions that come up as you read through that. And yes, we can answer those questions. Um, we've, we've made it available, publicly available, because as we meet with developers, they're gonna wanna see that study as well. Um, and, and so yes, I, I can make sure that we share uh, the link um, through Brian with all of you. Um, and there's a fact sheet that we've put together as well um, for the developers that we'll share. It's publicly available. Um, is this something that's gonna come before this commission at some point? I, I'm not sure, it, that's what you were asking, yeah. is that this is gonna, it goes information to us is going straight to city council. Uh, Yes, so this is a decision that council will make in terms of whether they vote for it to move forward or not. And because this commission is, uh, the work you do is related to rates and this is not a rate adjustment, um, that's the nuance in terms of you don't have to make a decision in support of or not to support it. 
But I, I think the importance of this is um, this speaks to uh, gaps that we have in DOU um, and, and that we have to figure out how we close over time. Um, and I guess the, the common thread is it's a funding gap uh, is the bottom line. Um, but yeah. And uh, my question would be, is, is this um, a fee that could be structured to incentivize dense infill? Um, so I saw that it applies to single-family housing, and I saw that it applies to retail, and I don't know if there's a distinction in there between multifamily or, or dense infill and uh, other types. I was, I was just wondering if this is a fee that could be structured to incentivize more dense housing. Um, and I, I believe no, um, again, for the Prop 218 reasons, but I'm going to look to Mike Voss to com confirm that or not. Um, thanks, Pravani. So this is actually subject to the Mitigation Fee Act, right? The Mitigation Fee Act covers development impact fees. Proposition 218 applies to rates. Um, I'm no expert on these fees, but I believe that most of them are done on a square foot basis. So for impervious surface for drainage fees, they're done on a um, ESD basis equivalent. Standard dwelling, yes. Thank you. Um, and so these are really industry standards. So um, I guess I think I would punt back to Pravani and her engineers as to whether these industry standards give any leeway for incentivizing denser development. So I know this question came up when we met with council members and the mayor, and um, at that point, uh, no. Um, we would have to look to what currently is in place through the general fund where there are incentives for uh, related to low-income housing and, and, and the denser housing. Um, and, and so that was conversation that uh, we've scheduled to have with CDD to see if that can be extended to cover this. But the fee on its own, no, was my understanding. You have any idea, Brett can chime in? I think it's probably better for us to take that question and go confirm that, but I, I know it did come up through the, the council and the mayor um, uh, briefings that we did, um, and our indication was no, we couldn't. Oh, okay, because what I'm remembering from the storm drainage rate was that um, it inadvertently penalized multifamily housing, and that by changing the formula that we used to assess the rate, we were able to take that penalty away. And I wanted to know if this was a similar situation or if this is a situation where you could design, design it to accomplish an additional goal. Like, So we'll, we'll look into that detail and, and see how it addresses that situation, uh, whether it's an increased cost or not, um, and if there's any way to make an adjustment if that is the case. So um, we will, I'll, we'll circle back and provide a response on what we find. Be great. Anything else on this item? Okay. The next item is commissioner comments, ideas and questions. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak? Oh, there's there's one more presentation oh, that was gonna me. go before. Okay, me. you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Oh, the deferred maintenance presentation? Hello. Hello. Uh, Chair Fidel and fellow commissioners, my name is Brett Grant, and I work in the engineering division of utilities, and I'm a supervising engineer over our drainage, CIP, and planning program. And today I'm here to talk about um, deferred maintenance of the city's uh, utility system. DOU does not have adequate funding to complete needed infrastructure um, replacement and investment um, in our water drainage and wastewater systems. This presentation will provide an overview of DOU's information included in a project prepared for the city back in 2022. I have the power here. Here we go, background. Um, city council members requested information on the maintenance backlog of city assets uh, from uh, youth, parks, and community enrichment, from public works, and from the utilities department. Uh, we all identified uh, maintenance needs within each department and provided a memo to city council in June of 2022. Deferred maintenance refers to necessary maintenance and repairs that were not performed when they should have been or infrastructure that needs to be replaced as it is past the end of its useful life or can no longer be repaired due to lack of regular maintenance. In this presentation, we are referring to this as in, uh, deferred infra infrastructure investment. DOU uses best practices, industry standards, and master planning documents to identify items of deferred infrastructure investment and these were outlined in this memorandum. However, we know that the entire scope of our deferred investment is not fully represented in this memo. This presentation includes highlights of our systems and the programs that were listed in the memorandum. Um, to provide context, oops, move on here. Um, to provide context, uh, we will highlight the main components of each system. Starting with the water system, the city's water system has 1,639 miles of pipe, two treatment plants, one on the Sacramento River and one on the uh, American River. We have 12 reservoirs and 28 groundwater wells. Uh, the estimated value of this system is about 3.6 million, or I'm sorry, 3.6 billion dollars. Um, in this memorandum, we included deferred investment uh, con re concerning um, electrical switchgear in, in um, water-funded uh, city facilities and the SCADA and instrumentation. Um, it came up with about $12.3 million of deferred investment. Well, water supply uh, projects, um, the groundwater well replacement program, uh, provides a roadmap for replacement of groundwater wells as recommended by the DOU's completed 2017 uh, groundwater um, master plan, groundwater well master plan. Um, most of the city's groundwater wells were built in the 1950s, and many of them need a rehabilitation and um, to evaluation to make sure they still meet current standards and regulations. Uh, the deferred cost uh, associated with um, the, the groundwater wells is $111 million. Um, next is uh, the, the Sac River Water Treatment Plant and the Fairbairn Water Treatment Plant, which um, 
is on the, uh, the Sacramento River, of course, is on Sacramento River, and Fairbairn is on the American River. Um, we're adding ozone, installing sodium hypochlorite to replace gaseous chlorine, um, replacing aged out infrastructure such as filters and on-site reservoirs, and the replacement of electrical and maintenance shops. Uh, the total cost for these improvements has been valued at $342 million. The last category is um, replacement of um, Advance again. Um, uh, the last category is replacement of water mains that have exceeded their useful life. Many of the um, uh, cast iron mains that are in our, our water system now are over 100 years old. Um, they tend to um, have a reduced capacity, uh, which is an issue when we're trying to meet modern fire flow standards. They contain lead joints and are more susceptible to leaks than other mains in our water system. The total um, deferred investment that we've evaluated and identified for the water system is $739 million. The next system is the drainage system. In the drainage system, we have 135 drainage basins. We have more than 1,000 a, a miles of pipe, 46,000 drain inlets, 108 pump stations, 89 detention basins for flood storage. 71 miles of creeks, ditches, and channels that we maintain. Uh, the replacement value of this system is, is approximately $3.2 billion. Um, with this system, about half of the city's drainage basins have been master planned or modeled. Um, these are important tools uh, for us because it's difficult to know the investment needed to achieve and maintain 10-year and 100-year levels of service without those tools. Um, more than half of the drainage infrastructure, I'm talking the collection system, the pipes, um, has, has um, not been um, evaluated uh, internally. Uh, we don't know um, in many cases what type of pipe it is or the condition of that pipe. And so we have a lot of work to do, um, but as we complete this work, uh, the value of deferred investment will grow. Um, there were two items of a deferred investment that were included in the memorandum and they deal with um, improvement projects that we identified in the master plans that we completed to date. Um, they, they were uh, pipeline, detention basin, and pump station improvements, and they were valued about $253 million. We also have a corrugated metal pipe issue, which is a thin-walled steel pipe that corrodes fairly easily in a moist environment, and we've uh, found uh, quite a bit of that that has failed already, and so we developed this program to go uh, aggressively and try and replace all of the corrugated metal pipe that we've identified so far. And that program is looking to be about $76 million. So the total deferred investment for our drainage system was about $329 million. Our wastewater system, many of you are familiar with this. Um, we have two systems in Sacramento. One is the combined system, which is in the center of this map. It's that light green color. Um, it is a situation, as was uh, stated earlier, where the sewer flows and the drainage flows all flow in the same pipe. Um, we also have a separated sewer system, which is the colored um, regions shown on the northeast side of the city and the southwest side. Um, and we have uh, more than 55 wastewater basins altogether. 
But I do want to make a quick comment that uh, we don't show the areas that are managed by the Sacramento Area Sewer District. Those are in uh, the northwest side and we'll call it the southeast side of the city. Um, they, they cover about 40% of the sewer service for the city. Um, we have uh, two primary treatment facilities. These are for our combined system. Uh, when wet weather, when we have large flows in our combined system, we have the ability to pr provide primary treatment. We have four storage facilities. One of them was recently built at McKinley Park where we added six million gallons of underground storage. And uh, we have 47 pump stations in the wastewater system. The combined system is, is expensive. <laughs> And uh, the rehabilitation, we have two major pump stations in uh, the combined system, and they need some repairs. We've identified repairs valued at about $54 million. Um, we also have uh, many pipelines in the collection system in the combined system that are more than 100 years old. Um, we've evaluated replacing those, and, and the cost estimate for that is about $152 million. Um, we have, like I said, the two uh, wet weather treatment facilities and uh, resiliency and improvement of treatment um, projects. Uh, we've identified that we need to spend about $157 million on those. Um, the separated sewer system, which was the colored areas north and south of the combined system, we, we, we combined all those um, uh, deferred investments uh, into one group, which is the, the pump stations and the collection system. The collection system needs capacity and um, rehab from um, old, old aged um, uh, uh, pipelines. And then also the sewer of the stations. You know, we have electrical, uh, we, you hear a little bit about life cycle. Um, electrical systems at pump stations last about 30 years. And so we're on a cycle of trying to replace those every 30 years. Um, also, our force mains have a, a much shorter life um, than a, a collection system or a gravity pipe would have, and they're due for replacement as well. And so when you add all those up, we end up with about $455 million of deferred investment uh, that we could spend. And then in the combined system, finally, uh, we have an MPDS permit that uh, governs our operation of the combined system and it has a long-term control plan, um, and we've identified about $300, millions in that long, $300 million worth of projects in that long-term control plan. So that is our wastewater system. Unfortunately, um, we didn't get a value for, we don't have a value for the combined system. We're working on that now. Um, we value the assets in the separated sewer system at about $2.9 billion, and um, uh, DOU is continuing to inventory and assess um, the combined sewer system so we can develop that value. Um, wastewater deferred investment unaddressed, um, you know, uh, will lead to system failures, um, costly emergency repairs, levels of service uh, failing or, or not met, um, and regional impacts. And uh, one of the interesting things that I've seen more recently as we have failed infrastructure and we have to do emergency repairs, they often cost up to 50% more than if it was a planned repair that we had done in advance. And so it's a very costly uh, approach to maintaining the system. Um, and uh, I guess that's all I have on that slide. Um, challenges. 
of course, the biggest challenge is lack of funding, and uh, with that comes a staffing shortage. Uh, increased regulation. Um, increased regulation requires a lot of investment of um, new infrastructure and programs to manage that infrastructure, and it can be very costly. Uh, inflation, even though it's cyclical and, and it's uh, currently, you know, a, a big topic for us, um, it, it actually has a huge impact uh, on the drainage fund that was just passed, um, that uh, CIP program that we've uh, created for capital investment has taken about a 10% hit in buying power just from the last two years of uh, high inflation. Um, so, uh, bridging the gap. Even though the challenges and obstacles DOU faces seem unsurmountable at times, we continue to work to bridge the gap. DOU conducts planning efforts such as a 30-year capital improvement um, investment strategy and um, asset management program which helps the department identify funding priorities, focus spending on improvements that will have the most impact. These planning efforts also inform the rate adjustment process to ensure the, city's co the city collects adequate funding in the future to help compete, complete the needed improvement projects. Through these efforts, we are hopeful that over time we will bridge the gap necessary uh, I'm sorry, bridge the gap of the necessary deferred infrastructure investments and have systems in line with industry standards that provide the desired level of service to our customers for many years to come. Um, so at this time, uh, Brian can provide the memorandum. Uh, we didn't get it into your packets. I apologize for that. Um, on deferred maintenance that was provided to council back in June of 2022. And with that, that is the end of my presentation. Um, are there any questions on this item? Commissioner Lee. Bridging the gap one. Uh, he's actually um, on the bank. This is a project where we're replacing um, or rehabbing a ditch, and we're actually putting concrete uh, liner in it. And he is on one side, and the workers are spraying the shotcrete on the other side of it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Commissioner Johnson. Thank you. Um, those are big numbers, and I think that they're, I think Sacramento is not unique in the United States in being in this situation. Um, I, I would just be interested, I, I don't know our history well enough to know, like, how did we get here? 50 years <coughs> ago, uh, were we unaware that 50-year-old pipes didn't have another 50 years left in them. And I'm, I'm asking because I'm interested in um, <coughs> learning from the history so that we can, as stewards of the system we have now, ensure we don't burden future generations with 
similar mistakes, like how much more costly it is to repair something in an emergency than it is to fix it as part of a maintenance plan. So, and I don't know if you have the answer to those questions. It's probably a complex, complex answer, I understand. It is, it, it, it just all goes back to funding, you know, and, and um, developing sinking funds for assets and things like that. Uh, it's, it, it's hard to do though. I mean, there's a lot of competing resources. And I'm gonna turn it over to my director. <laughs> I absolutely uh, agree with that is, um, we're always challenged with the need to keep rates down, not to ask for more money. Um, but you have to balance that out with the needs, right? Because if you don't ask for what you need, you're deferring. There's, there's some deferral happening, and when you're deferring, <laughs> years of deferral ends up being over $2 billion that you cannot close in a short period of time. Um, I think it's just this. It's being aware of what those gaps are, making sure that we're continuing to gather the data. And as we gather the data, factoring that into our long range financial planning, um, which we're actively engaging in. And part of that long range financial planning is figuring out everything can't come from rates because you're gonna overburden your customers. So how do you balance that out with available funding from things like grants, whether it's state, federal, federal grant programs, and then also the bond financing aspect, right? Trying to borrow at the cheapest rates you can get it, looking at state revolving fund uh, loans, those kinds of things. Um, is trying to create plans that factor all of that in to minimize the impact as much as we can. It's not possible to eliminate that impact. And I think historically the way we worked was trying to eliminate the impact to the ratepayer. And um, unfortunately, the consequences of that deferral often end up being major consequences that we've seen happen nationally, right? A, a lot of the infrastructure issues that have happened have been for that reason. Um, so I think we have to message that. We have to, when we go out for rates, when we ask for anything related to funding, including development impact fees, it's letting people know that if we don't move in this direction, these are the consequences. And, and nobody, none of us wants to be on the receiving end of those consequences. Um, because you're talking about impacting public health. If we're talking about drinking water, you're talking about flooding people's homes, causing major damage, those kinds of things. So it's, it's trying to learn from previous and, and trying to be mindful. We in DOU, we understand the need, don't have the decision-making power to be able to move some of these things forward. We're reliant on a commission like you for going forward with rates to support what we're asking for. And then we're also asking council members, right, to be able to support it. And they have to balance it out because they're representing their constituents. But hopefully if we're able to present the picture, the scenario of what the needs are and what the consequences are, if we don't do what we need, um, hopefully the decision is going to be to move forward with those things. But yes, we do owe it to our ratepayers to be mindful of not just saying everything's gonna come from rates because that's when you go to, I think impossibility, right? Making up a $2 billion gap is not just gonna come from rates and not from one rate increase. That that's just never gonna happen. 
but it's those long-term plans. How do you plan it in the long-term? And thinking of rates differently, historically, we've done rate increases cyclically, right? You do a, a two, three, four years. Uh, Mike Voss's presentation showed the 2012 uh, rate increases we did. It was for three, four, five years of, of rate increases, and then you go to zero for years. And, and we struggle with the zero, and then we start looking at, okay, what, what's the next rate increase gonna look like? Um, and, and you saw the percentages, right? Double digits, like 12, 13%. I think a better model is to do annual rate increases that are much smaller in the increase annually to eventually make up that money over time and not do the model we've historically done um, but again, it's, it's presenting and seeing what's palatable to council members, to the public, to commissioners. For me personally, as a, as a ratepayer, I don't live in the city, but where I live is, I would rather know annually what my increase is gonna be because that helps me budget and plan versus, okay, we're getting these double digit that you're telling me about now that's gonna happen for the next four or five years. You're gonna to go to zero and I don't know when you're gonna come back and tell me that I need to go to these rate increases again. So I think that's how we in DOU try to help move some of these ideas, thoughts forward in terms of closing uh, the funding gaps. Um, but again, it's not absolute, right? We can propose, but we don't know where it's gonna go because um, the people who make the decisions have to decide what direction we go in. Thank you. Um, it sounds like part of the decision-making process is then, if I'm hearing you, it's putting, investing some time into coming up with the price tag of the choice to do nothing. Yeah, and, and that's, that's a little more complicated, right? Because it's, it's a risk analysis, um, and there are different scenarios under that risk analysis. Um, but yeah, every consequence comes with a price. Um, and that's why we have people who look at risk and, and when there are failures, what, what costs those produce. But I, I think as much as we can factor that in, it is a good idea because when you look at that cost, that cost is substantially more than just collecting whatever you need in terms of funding to be able to do the rehabilitation or the maintenance. Um, and, and so that is a good point. Uh, that might be what we need to present to help make that decision. Nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. The next item is commissioner comments, ideas, and questions. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak? Thank you. The last item is public comments, matters not on the agenda. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on public comments, matters not on the agenda? Thank you, Chair. I do not have any hands raised in Zoom, and I do not have any speaker slips in chambers. Thank you. Concludes today's agenda. Thank you, everyone, for your participation. The meeting's adjourned. I got to see the hammer. Yes, for sure. That's the best part. Everyone else does.
Thank you so much for your coaching. I super appreciate it. No, no problem. Absolutely. Yeah, always feel free to tell me because, yeah, for sure. No problem. I will not take it wrong.